Yo, it's the Southside's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. There's a blast. Deep into the night. And a two-run homer for Baez. And there it goes. Abreu massacres this ball to left center field. Donna goes in motion left. Snap it to Michelle. He's running to the left. Angling. 25-20. Got a block for Brown. 15 10, 5 Touchdown. 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 Don't win it. We're headed to Atlanta. Trubisky's going to run it. And he is going to get a first down. How about Trubisky to the 42-yard line? Oh, my goodness. In the ring. Steamboat's got him up. A slam. The Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. What's up and live from Chicago, this is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app with open phone lines for you at 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is the telephone number. Hit me up on Instagram, IGJHood, on Snapchat, SnapJHood, as we broadcast live. From our first Midwest bank studios. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, AMs in my bank account. Yeah, in my bank account. First Midwest Bank. Bank with momentum. On the program tonight, we will hear from Jesse Rogers, who covers the Cubs for ESPN.com. Game two between the Cubs and the Braves. We'll talk to Jesse about that. He'll also give us updates at the bottoms of the hour of that game right here on ESPN 1000. Also, we have one question. You just never know who we have for one question. We uh, go to Sean. I go to my phone. We try to find someone that doesn't have time to spend an entire segment with us, but time for at least one question. We'll tell you who that is coming up at 7.50. Also, oh, Summer of Football. It's back. Summer of Football. We This is the fourth year that we have celebrated football. We're ahead of everybody else when it comes to the National Football League. And so... Whether it's the NFL, whether it's college football, whether it's fantasy football, uh, whether it's uh, sports gambling on football, we talk about it every single night at 8 o'clock. Summer of football and our guest, former Bear Jerry Azuma, is going to be with us coming up at 8.05 here on ESPN 1000. Tales from the Hood, stories of sports, entertainment, everything else in between. We've got something on Andre Iguodala that you must hear. If you've missed this. Uh, Illinois zone, not Chicago zone, but from this state, of course, Andre Godala, the Golden State Warriors, had a lot to say, a lot to say. Proving my point once again, and Davis knows what I'm talking about. We will uh, talk about Andre Godala coming up at 8.35. Also, uh, we will hear from, well, Ryan Hollins. Well, Ryan Hollins, our NBA expert, Ryan Hollins, uh, for those of you that don't listen to this show weeknights, you should know Ryan Hollins, uh, there was a... a <laughs> There was a bet there. He said that if the Toronto Raptors win the NBA championship, that he'll be on 10 consecutive shows. He's on tonight. This is going to be, I believe, number five of 10 uh, from uh, Ryan Hollins. That's going to come up at 9 o'clock. Also, if you're a wrestling fan, 
Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. If you're not a wrestling fan, but you know someone that loves pro wrestling or slash sports entertainment, we have it for you coming up at 9.35. Every Tuesday night, half hour after SmackDown Live is over, we give you Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. We have a very special guest, Shane Taylor, Ring of Honor television champion. Ring of Honor has a big show taking place in Baltimore. Best in the world. We'll hear from the uh, television champion coming up at 9.35. Also, I'll give my thoughts on Fighter Fest which is a pay-per-view uh, taking place for AEW, and my thoughts on Stomping Grounds, the WWE show that took place in Tacoma, Washington this past Sunday. I'll give you my thoughts on that as well. And plenty of time for your thoughts, 312-332-ESPN. I hope that you enjoyed your Tuesday. I hope that you enjoy your Tuesday nights. I'm with you until 10 o'clock. There's Dan Levitard as well as Greg Cody, right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Time to go to the ballpark. The Cubs, they got the job done against the Atlanta Braves yesterday. Jesse Rogers covers the Cubs for ESPN.com. He joins us here as we get ready for Game 2 of the Cubs and the Braves. Jesse, as always, I appreciate your time. It was interesting. The, uh, I've never seen a skirmish like that before with the benches clearing. Well, because you've never seen the benches clear because of a pitch framing argument. That's what. <laughs> that's how it started with uh, Wilson yelling back at the umpire and maybe Tyler Flowers all at the same time about a strike uh, call on him that he thought was outside, but Flowers had framed it well. It was just a moment of frustration, and he let it out by hitting that home run and then turning back to the ump and, and the catcher. I think the Cubs would, would quietly tell you, um, it's probably not a good thing to do to, to yell back at the umpire or the, the opposing catcher or the opposing dugout. But you don't want to rein in that emotion too much. You also just don't want to let it get out of control. So I think Joe quietly said something to Willie. And you could even hear John Lester after the game kind of um, say it in a positive way, uh, the way he described uh, what Wilson can be in the coming years. He'll, he'll probably calm down in the coming years and just, just be a great catcher and, and some of that emotion – or anger, I guess, won't be part of his game. So that was his way of praising him and also sort of giving him that message. Like, as you get older, as you mature, you got to calm down a little bit. Um, but look, the guy plays with an edge, and usually uh, good things happen. Look at his numbers. It's what you and I talked about yesterday, Jesse. I want a little fire from this Cubs team, a little swagger. I want. I mean, you had Baez on the team. You saw what happened with Contreras yesterday. As long as it doesn't get out of control and it just inspires the rest of the team, you'll take it, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I said that on the air today as well. Like they they need a little jolt, um, and I thought Alzali was going to be the the jolt they needed last week. It didn't really provide it. They lost the next two games. Now you have you're you're right. The, the two most emotional players on the team, Baez, win Sunday game, Sunday's game, and then Wilson basically helps win uh, Monday's game, and, and and does and they both do it in dramatic fashion. And, and obviously Wilson with that emotion. So yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. It can help, but you, you just can't be yelling at the opposition too much. You know, I think we we all agree with that. Well, here's what's happening, Jesse. See, this is why I like to talk to you about these things that no one talks to you about throughout the day. I I, I could see a divide. It, it's been going on for a while, but there's a divide between old school and new school. It's more pronounced now than it has been in the last few years. You saw what's going on with Madison Bumgarner. He does, he's completely old school. Tyler Flowers didn't yeah. like what happened yesterday. That there's a culture shock here with some young talent. You've seen this. You saw this with Contreras yesterday. Tim Anderson's been in the news. A number of guys where there there's a little world baseball classic to some of these guys where they want to inspire and and want to be able to do some things to uh, put attention on themselves and the team more so than just being a robot. And there's a there is yeah. a, a real pushback from some of these old school baseball players on that. 
Yeah, and it, it's going to go the way of the Tim Andersons and Javi Baez of the world. It, it's going to go that way, and, and guys like Baumgartner and Lester are going to be retiring in a few years. Let's face it. They're on the second, you know, second nine of their career here. So uh, as, as the older guys you know, begin to retire, the lackeys of the world who already has, Lester and, like I said, Baumgartner, uh, you're going to see more of the young, young millennial types take over, and, and this probably will become the norm. We are seeing a transitional period. It, does, it doesn't happen overnight. It'll happen over a little bit of time, and I think this will be more of the norm, not yelling at the opposition, but showing emotion, bat flips, and things like that, I think will become part of baseball slowly but surely. And that part, and part of that is the old dinosaurs retiring. And, and you know what? I think at the end, Lester will be okay with that. He'll be like, you know, that's their game. I had my game. We had our way of doing it. I learned from Josh Beckett and the older pitchers. And Cole Hamels will say he learned from Roy Halladay and those guys. And, and, and someday somebody will say, I learned from Javi Baez and Wilson Contreras, and I'm going to show my emotion. And that's, that's the way it's going, and I think that's, that's okay. But, again, you don't want to see benches clear every, every time someone yells at somebody. So this was fun, but let's not see it every day. <laughs> Jesse, what are your thoughts on Al, uh, Alzale the last time that you saw him, first time out? seems like a fly ball pitcher primarily. Yeah, yeah well, first of all, Len Casper is, is spreading the word. It's now Alzale. Alzale is the correct pronunciation. Oh, we all okay. were saying Alzale. If Len Casper is saying it, it must be must be gospel. So it's Alzali for now on. I'm Alzali, sure Jesse. It's Alzali. I'll get it. Yeah, I'll get it wrong in about five minutes. Um, <laughs> real interested to see first start, um, second time out near, second time out here. Okay, um, new opponent. So again, a team that's never seen him. Advantage Alzali. Um, Want to see if sort of the nerves are off. You know, Theo mentioned yesterday that he didn't think he had his breaking ball because he was too amped up. He was, he was, he was uh, throwing past his break. He was throwing too hard on his curveball. So he's, if he settles in, we're going to see a great curveball. He did like his change, so the fastball and change was there. I like the fact that his third pitch was maybe his best pitch, meaning he had the maturity to realize the curveball wasn't working as well I'm going to throw my change up, and, and maybe that'll get these guys out, and it, and it worked. Like, he just didn't stick with the curveball. He had the wherewithal to, to change it up. So I'm interested to see maybe a, a little bit more, um, you know, less adrenaline, more just kind of a normal start, and him throw his great curveball. I want to see that. But I, I, I think it sets up well for him. He got his feet wet and relieved. Now he starts certainly against a really good team. I like the Braves lineup. I really do. So it'll be a test. Now, the wind was blowing out before the storms came. After the storms, it's been calm, so he might get a decent night um, in terms of the wind, and it won't be as bad as it was last night for Lester, who who pitched magnificently with that wind blowing out. So I'm interested in all those things. Let's see where where that curveball is, especially look for that pitch um, in particular as a strikeout pitch. Uh, Lastly, did Madden say anything interesting today? Um, well, first of all, he, he said he thinks that this, this thing with Contreras is over because it really was a one-man thing. You know, sometimes it's, it, if there's a player that gets hit by a pitch and another player responds, now you have, a, you have a, a few players involved, right? This was just kind of one guy, Contreras, um, yelling really at the ump but also at Flowers. So he thinks it's over because it's not like his teammates are going to be, you know, taking up the cause for Contreras. There is no cause to take up. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I asked him uh, about Schwarber at the leadoff spot. His OBP is about the same as it was in 2017 when things were going really bad. He said, no, 
I still like it that way. I still like Schwarber up there. He's still slugging. He's not exactly setting up Bryant. Bryant only has a few RBIs this month in June. So it's not perfect, but at least Baez is getting a lot of opportunities with, with Rizzo and, and, and uh, Bryant getting on in front of him. But he's not he's not changing the top five or six. He kind of likes it that way. He just wants to see more of last night, which means more oppo hitting. Don't worry about the home run swings. That'll come. Let's get five runs without a home run. They did that last night. Six runs without a home run. They did that last week. But it's it's kind of every few games they get a, a moment like that. He wants to see it more consistent. And so we'll see how they follow up on offense tonight. This philosophy also can be found in uh, your book that you wrote about Joe Madden. Yeah, he told a lot of those stories yesterday and a lot of philosophies today in terms of all that stuff and how to handle a clubhouse, unlike Mickey Calloway. Um, <laughs> try, try not to suck the definitive bio on Joe Madden at bookstores and Amazon. Get My it. friend. Well, thank, thank you very much. He, he gave me a little punctuation there. Thank you very much. Well, Jesse, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> thank you very much, sir. And uh, as always, I appreciate your time. You got it. <laughs> Good to hear from Jesse Rogers covering the Cubs and the Braves. will have updates for us at the bottoms of the hour right here in Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Just to uh, piggyback on our conversation with Jesse on one particular item and that is how some look at major league baseball in 2019 boy what a big difference it is from say 10 15 years ago as far as some baseball players wanting to stand out baseball players for a long time have had this feeling of you've got to be able to conform everybody has to act the same way i remember growing up in the 80s we have latino ball players that want to pitch and be able to play with a little bit more flourish, a little bit more color to the game. And I don't think there's any problem with that. I think that as long as you're not alienating the other team and just continuing to give it to the other team and making them feel itchy and uncomfortable, you know, I don't think I have a problem with that. But I always think that it's, it's competition. And if you are Wilson Contreras, if you're Javi Baez, if you're Tim Anderson uh, or someone else, and you want to be able to add a little bit more color to the game, something for people to watch, then go ahead. I just think you could see clearly the, the divide that's happening in Major League Baseball. There are so many that are uh, somewhere between 45 and 65 that look at baseball and says, you know what, just play the game, don't worry about the personality. Well, you just can't take the personality out of sports, no matter how much you try. Uh, growing up, there was so many people that were anti-Reggie Jackson because Reggie Jackson did the same thing that we see today with Major League Baseball players, flipping the bat and yelling in the other dugout and just playing with some bravado and, and pounding their chest. And people thought that Reggie was crazy. People thought... We don't need this in our baseball game. And it really brought more eyeballs to the TV. You may say you don't want that, but you still want to go on your phone. You still want to be able to see certain clips of players doing something other than just hitting a home run, just hitting to the right side, just catching a, a fly ball. There's something to the game. And usually in Major League Baseball, if there's a dust-up, that's the only thing that really garners attention. But I think that the younger players in Major League Baseball are saying, you know what, I want my baseball to be more like the World Baseball Classic. I want my baseball to be something that's just not station to station, come to the ballpark, do your job, and go home. That doesn't grow the sport. I mean, and, and the other thing, too, if you are someone that does not like that, that's good, too. 
you know, the, here's where I will never push back. If you have a feeling as a baseball fan that you don't want to see someone that is you know, moving the shoulders around or someone that is clapping as soon as he hits a, a home run or someone that's moving slowly around the bases, if you don't like that, that's good for you. Because for Major League Baseball, you need to have a black hat. You need to be able to have someone that you don't like. Everything is just so pristine and so clean in Major League Baseball, and that's fine. But I think a little bit of color is not bad in Major League Baseball. You get this in the NBA, you get this in the National Football League, because it's entertainment. You and I are talking sports on a nightly basis because it's about entertainment, right? So whether or not you are entertained by that or not, that's good. If you are, like I am, fine. If you're not, that's good, too. Because baseball needs both sides of it, the white hat and the black hat. It's nothing wrong with someone being polarizing in the sport. Now, now you heard Jesse kind of talking about Wilson Contreras and saying, well, you know, uh, there was some conversation that Joe Madden had with Wilson Contreras. Hey, if he wants to point that dugout, if he has a problem with, with uh, Tyler Flowers or anybody else with the Braves, fine. But but the idea that Bob Walk, the Pittsburgh Pirates color analyst and longtime pitcher back in the day, is like, uh, uh, you know, these guys, you know, with their the way they do things and their gold chains and all that. What he was, I mean, that's it's totally if that's how he feels. It's fine, but he's backwards to me. It's backwards. You need to have more people to the game so the game doesn't die. You don't want baseball to die. What we're seeing with college football, what we're seeing with the NFL, what we're seeing with, major, with the NBA, those sports continue to thrive for a reason. It's because of the action on the field and the personalities. You want to be able to connect to a, a, a certain athlete or you want to hate a certain athlete. Either way, it brings eyeballs to the television. It brings eyeballs to the sport. That's not a bad thing. So for the John Lester's and the Madison Bumgarner's and all these guys that are totally against Major League Baseball uh, players offensively trotting around the bases too too slowly or doesn't like some of the antics of some of those players, that's good. That's good. I like the pushback because Major League Baseball needs that. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Let me move on to this here. The Milwaukee Bucks uh, are a team that really did very well representing not only the Central Division, but they represent these very well. You do realize when the smoke clears, we very well could see Milwaukee at the top of the Eastern Conference. After all this free agency that takes place on Sunday, when it starts on Sunday and you move forward into the month of July, we very well could see Giannis Antetokounmpo at the top of the heap. The Milwaukee Bucks, can you believe this is not even the 1970s? We could see the Milwaukee Bucks as the number one team in the East. That's because the East is bereft of faces. There is talent throughout the Eastern Conference, but it doesn't pop like Jokic from Denver or like LeBron from the Lakers or uh, like what we see here with Dame Lillard and McCollum in Portland. It doesn't pop like you saw with Dirk Nowitzki, which you will probably get from Christoph Porzingis in Dallas. All of this talent is to the West. But Giannis Antetokounmpo was named the MVP last night at the NBA Awards because he was the best player in the NBA, in my view. I know some will look at James Harden. I know our guest Ryan Hollins is going to come up um, with us in a couple hours. He doesn't like the idea that Antetokounmpo was the MVP, but to me, he was the best player. He was the MVP of the NBA. And Antetokounmpo's father, Charles, passed away in September uh, with a heart attack. 
Next summer, the Bucks will be able to offer Antetokounmpo the largest contract in NBA history. The five-year contract starting in the 2021-22 season could be worth $247.3 million. Antetokounmpo is very emotional, talking about his dad and talking about his family. He also talked about a number of other things, including how Kobe Bryant, the former Laker, really motivated him. Kobe saying that I can, you know, be the MVP of this league, and that uh, should be my goal. That definitely motivated me, wanted me to, you know, become a better player. But I think my, you know, my the motivation came after my dad passed away and um, after the support system that I had with my family. But definitely, Kobe, uh, he's the one that started the flame. Definitely. So some thoughts there from Giannis and Akuma about Kobe Bryant. I mean, you're looking for the influence. Kobe Bryant was that. After getting drafted by the Bucks with the 15th pick in the 2013 NBA draft, Antetokounmpo has improved every season, increasing his per-game averages in points and rebounds and assists and blocks and steals. In fewer minutes, he posted career highs of 27.9 points a game, 12.5 rebounds, 6 assists per game throughout the regular season. And it wasn't just his offense that stood out. He also contributed... Almost a steal a game, 1.5 blocks per game this season as well. And for Kumpo, there was not a torch scoring month that catapulted him to the top of everyone's MVP ballot. It was just greatness, just constant greatness. It wasn't like he tore up March, tore up February, tore up January. He just stayed consistent, almost 28 points a game. He hit fewer than 50% of his shots in the 10 of the uh, 20, 72 games that he played. So... He scored fewer than 20 points in only 12 of those games, and the Bucks won 10 of them with an average margin of victory of 19 points. The best way for opponents to keep Antetokounmpo in check was to get blown out by the Bucks. <laughs> Here's what's interesting about the MVP. Like, you see the gaudy numbers from Harden, but Antetokounmpo, even when he did not play well, I mentioned those numbers there, hit fewer than 50% of his shots in 10 of the 72 games that he played. He scored fewer than 20 points in 12 of those games, and but yet the Bucks were able to win uh, 60 games this season. I mean, you, think about the Bucks without Anadokounmpo. That's what makes him valuable. And also, he had some things to say, um, uh, talking about how yes, he still has more goals. You know, everything that I do, I always want to have my family, you know, around me. We started from nothing as a family, and uh, we're going to be in every stage that we can be as a family. The journey hasn't ended yet. There's a lot of goals that I've set for myself and for the team also. And uh, I'm a guy that whenever I set goals, I try to accomplish them no matter what. But at the end of the day, I'm going to stay hungry. I have the guys that, the people that support me on a daily basis. And as long as they're there for me, I'm always going to stay hungry. I'm always going to chase my dreams. I'm always going to chase my goals because that's what my family wants me to do, and that's what the people that know me want me to do. So rooting for Giannis Antetokounmpo because we haven't even seen the best as, of him just as of yet. People say, well, wait until the jump shot. Well, you know what? It's, it's coming, right? You see a young player that's developing. He's got an MVP under his belt now. He's looking for an NBA championship and very well could be the face of the East before it's all squared away. Kyrie Irving could be going someplace, maybe not the East. Jimmy Butler could be going someplace. There's going to be a lot of movement in his free agency. And Giannis very well could be the face of the conference and could win a championship while he's with Milwaukee. Time will tell on that. All right, coming up, we will get a report from Jesse on what's going on with the Cubs and the Atlanta Braves. Also, the Chicago Bulls and free agency. What could the Bulls be looking at as far as free agency and their future? We discuss it coming up next. Jonathan Hood on UTA. 
when it takes the rock of my crack, yeah. On ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Follow me on Twitter at TweetJHood, also on Snapchat, SnapJHood. It is the Cubs and the Braves at Wrigley Field. Here's Jesse Rogers who files a report. Jess? All right, Jay Hood. Cubs trailing two nothing, but they are threat. Excuse me, one nothing as they are threatening here in the second inning. Uh, Edbert Azalai, with his first career start, was met with a first pitch home run by Ronald Acuna Jr. So he'll never forget that one. Acuna's nineteenth of the season, but since then he's retired the next six batters. So he has settled down nicely, at least through the first two innings. Meanwhile, the Cubs went down in the order in the first, but here in the second, Javi Baez and Wilson Contreras back to back walks to open up the inning. So first and second, nobody out. Bottom of the second, Cubs trailing one nothing. Back to you. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. we got some tickets to give away starting in our 8 o'clock hour. We'll tell you about those. If you say, I've never won anything on the radio, I got you. I want... The Under the Hood listener to win. I want you guys, Under the Hood Nation, to be able to win something. So we got tickets to give away. If you want them, I'll tell you how to get them coming up after 8 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. Glad to have you aboard here. Um, yeah, Alzali is a fly ball pitcher. 44% of his pitches in AAA were pretty much fly balls. Um, that's kind of who he is. And with the storms that we've had here, and especially on the north side and uh, – uh, throughout the day, and that wind is pretty stiff, so hopefully uh, the Cubs can keep the ball in the ballpark against this good Atlanta Braves team, as Jesse mentioned, one nothing uh, in that game over at Wrigley Field. Glad to have you in, Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We will do one question coming up in our next segment. We always try to find someone, right? Sean goes through his phone, I go through my phone. Who is available just to talk to us just for one question? We'll have uh, that person coming up uh, right here on ESPN 1000 in our next segment. Some thoughts about the Bulls here, because uh, even though you're hearing stories out of Brooklyn, stories out of Philadelphia, stories out of uh, New York City, stories out of Los Angeles and some of these other cities, you're not hearing a lot out of Chicago. And I know that if you're a Bulls fan, you're frustrated by that, right? You're like, okay, well, where's mine? And, And as I've told you many times in this program over the years, that we have an emotional and some of us financial investment in this team where it's not just like, oh, it's a Chicago team. I wish the Chicago team would win. No, what you're looking for is to see how an organization can come up from the ashes to win a championship, to be able to have at least sustained success, if not a championship. As I always say, for the teams here in town, in my hometown, I'm just looking for interesting yeah, you love to have all the teams win championships so it could be like uh, as it was in the past where the Bulls did well, the Hawks did well, you know, the White Sox did well, Cubs. Yeah, you'd love to see that. But you just want to have sustained success of nothing else. And for the Bulls, it has just been too far in between for uh, playoff appearances. It's been a while. And you're just looking for success. When I look at this roster with Chris Dunn, and Kobe White at the guard spots. As I look at Zach Levine and I look at Hutchinson and Blakeney at the shooting guard spots, as I see Otto Porter 
And I see uh, Denzel Valentine, remember him, at the small forward. Uh, Laurie Marketing at the power forward. I see Wendell Carter, the center, and Felicio and Gafford coming in as one of the uh, draftees on draft night this past Thursday. What I will see is a team that has an open competition at point guard. And again, look at Chris Dunn. Dunn could either be looking to get out or will be sharing a lot of time with Kobe White because I know they want to be able to develop him. The future of Dunn entering year four after the addition of White, do you trade him? Do you look to retain him? I think that if he wants to go or if you think you want to move him along, you can. Chris Dunn is someone who I've talked to several times. Um, not all, I think once on the air and a couple times at appearances that he and I did, you know, he's got a chip on his shoulder coming out of Providence. He feels like he was the best guard out of that draft, and he feels like he's been handcuffed first by Tom Thibodeau with Minnesota and maybe now with Chicago. Uh, you know, again, we got to see how that works, but clearly John Paxson is not enamored with what Chris Dunn has done, has done here with the Bulls to the point where if you remember last Thursday, the press conference that John Paxson had, John Paxson was talking about the core and going through all these veteran players and never mentioned Chris Dunn. It's almost like out of sight, out of mind. They, they want to improve depth on the wings. And the, remember, the Bulls have $23 million in cap, cap space. And they're uh, mid-level. They have $4.8 million. So what I would tell you is, is that it's about guard play. And I think that you have to develop Wendell Carter Jr. and find out what he is for a small sample size, fine. Laurie Marketing for a small sample size, he's better than I thought he was going to be. However, I don't have a full letter grade on Marketing just as of yet because Marketing, again, has not been out there for that, as I mentioned, that full complement of games for a season to know whether or not he could be a major difference maker uh, for the Chicago Bulls. We talk about the Bulls and the NBA with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Otto Porter Jr. is the big splash in free agency. Even though that was a trade from last year, that's the name. If Otto Porter stays healthy, he, he has a chance now to really show what he can do away from John Wall and away from uh, Bradley Beal. So, you know, I, I look at, at Porter as being a factor. I look at Levine being a factor. You saw toward the end of the season, and I, and I think a little bit at the end of the season, and some throughout the season where Levine had to be the one to put up the last shot, and it just didn't work out well. I mean, that's I don't see Zach Levine as a go-to guy, but on this roster he is. And there's the rub, right? Who is the man for the Bulls? Who is the guy that is going to be the go-to guy for the Bulls for this upcoming season? So that's the thing. Is it Zach Levine? He's paid like it. But, but you know a star when you see one. Let's not BS each other. You and I both know a star when we see one. When you see certain players around this league, whether it's the MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo, whether it's James Harden, whether it is LeBron James, whether it's Kawhi Leonard, you know who the stars are in this league. Where's Zach Levine? Where's marketing? Where's 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 Carter amongst all these guys? And then when you talk about young up and coming players, is Zach Levine on that list? Is he in your top ten? Is he in your top twenty? You got you got to think about those things. And so that's the thing. The Bulls will not be able to secure an A-list free agent. There is no Durant or Clay Thompson conversation around the Bulls because you and I both know that the Bulls are not an attractive uh, place for teams to come to. They're, come, they're looking at Brooklyn, they're looking at the Clippers, they're looking at other cities, but they're looking at Chicago. And that's something that the Bulls have to work on. 
So because of that, several things must happen. Number one, they have to be crafty with their trades. You got to trade for talent because talent's not coming, at least not A-list talent. I would like for the Bulls, at the very least, to be able to go to the middle of the barrel and find several guards uh, that could that could help this Bulls team. If Dunn's not there, you need to have veteran leadership at the guard spot, at the lead guard spot. And in point guard, shooting guard, it's the same now. It's positionless. But you got to look at that. Then you got to start thinking about who's backing up Zach Levine. Who's a, a, a viable backup for Zach Levine? And then who is going to be someone at the forward spot that can play both three to three or four or can play the four position very well, a veteran? So to me, it's about trying to stockpile veterans that can fit on this salary cap. You can't find one. You don't have max money. You don't have an A-list free agent that's coming. So you got to be either crafty enough to trade or be able to stockpile a number of veterans along with this young group. Some thoughts now from John Paxson. John Paxson was talking about the need for this roster to add some veterans. Well, we're going to, we're in the process right now of kind of evaluating the talent that's out there. We, you know, Gar's on the phone constantly. We, it's what the market will be. There's a lot of money out in the market this summer, and a lot of teams are are going to be out there spending. But uh, there'll be a tier that goes, and then there'll be some fallbacks. But we we have a, a very good idea of what we want. Um, but we, you know, we're going to have to wait till the thirtieth to, to, you know, to go go at it. Uh, but we we know we need to add some veterans. But with that said, we also, you know, it's we have Otto Porter and, and Zach who are another year older. Uh, Lowry's entering his third year now. Um, you know, so you know through through experience, there's some some leadership uh, that that goes on through that. But definitely, we're we're looking for a couple of veteran guys that that can fit well with this young group be pros you know show these guys every day what it means to be a professional you know most guys that last a long time in this league they last because they've been been pro they take care of themselves they played well uh, they've done all the right things and that's always the best example for young players you know what i wish i wish that the bulls were be in the sweepstakes to be able to get someone like d'angelo russell I like for them to be in the sweepstakes to be able to be looking at Kemba Walker, looking at Jeremy Lamb. I like for them to be in the sweepstakes to be able to find, you know, just guys that can just be cornerstones for the franchise, veteran players, and not that old school got to have veteran players to teach the young guys. That doesn't work in the NBA. It's nonsense. Never mind about that. Unless it's some old grizzled veteran that knows he's on it, that he's on his way out. That that nonsense of got to have veterans to teach the young guys. No, you need to have old guys that can will compete with the young guys to push the young guys and for the veteran to be able to get his. That's what I'm looking at. None of this other nonsense. Find the veteran that can be able to make a difference. And I don't know if that's Austin Rivers. I don't know if that's Danny Green. Uh, but I look at this free agent list just like you do, and there's a number of choices that the Bulls can make. But it's got to be multiple smart choices for this team. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our telephone number on the Bulls. Marcel from UIC, Go Flames, is with us on ESPN 1000. Hello, Marcel. How's it going, honey? I'm good. Now, we discussed this over Twitter earlier. Yes. I, it's just what I want, man. I want Derrick Rose to come back just as a just as a true blue Derrick Rose fan. I want him to come back, but it's actually reasons. We know he's a proven vet. He has the experience. 
He's done a little bit of traveling. He's got some more knowledge under his belt. He can actually help Zach Levine become a better attacker and become a better player. They have similar games, not exactly, but of course the game is similar. And of course, Pat Beverly increases our defensive presence. They need to get get rid of the starting point guard whose name I'd refuse to utter and replace him with Derrick Rose and Pat Bev and let those two vets mold this team. You got one guy who's from Chicago who is our former MVP. And you got another guy who's also from Chicago who is a defensive mastermind. That's what we need. We need both of them here. Groom this team. What about Frank Kaminsky? He's also from Chicago. You're crazy. <laughs> Thanks for thanks for the call. <laughs> I mean, I mean, no, you you don't choose them because they're from here. I've been a big proponent of Pat Beverly being here because he will bring a little bit more nasty and more defensive presence. That's what you want. Um, and I know that he's been trolling people on Twitter, and he's he's very active on Twitter at PatBev21. That's off the top of my head, but he's very good at being able to uh, talk to people. Uh, and there's a lot of people from Chicago that's trying to influence him to come here. I don't know where he's going, but that's the kind of guard I'm talking about. And people say, well, he doesn't shoot the ball well enough. At least there's a defensive presence and a way to be able to for him to distribute the basketball to make others better. So, so there you go. Uh, but Derrick Rose, no, I'm not. I don't want Derrick to be with the Bulls. Not yet. Not yet. I think there's still time for Derrick, but not this upcoming season. Um, I want some he- healthy guys, some healthy veterans along with these young players. All right, um, coming up, we will find out who's available. We went, went, we were going through our phones trying to figure out who could be with us for one question. We'll find out who that person is coming up next on UTA. From your hood to J-Hood. On ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You're listening to Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Glad that you are in with me. We got tickets to give away. Something special for you in our 8 o'clock hour. We'll tell you more about it once we get there. We got summer of football coming your way as well at 8 o'clock. Uh, and a very special guest for that as well. Glad you're with us here on this Tuesday. Um, oh, by the way, we came into the segment with Prince. Was it, was it 30 35th anniversary of Purple, Purple Rain, Rain, the release, 35 years today. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I'm such, such a Prince fan. <laughs> Remember, I told you I went to uh, see Prince last summer. Uh, it, not, not a concert, but I went to his, because <laughs> he, he wouldn't be there if he had a concert. I will hope not. Uh, no, but uh, but I did, uh, I did meet the aura. I had the aura of Prince going to his uh, the place where he records music uh, in suburban Minneapolis. That was such a great tour. Did you sit Indian style and meditate? Did you sit Indian style and meditate? No, I wish I would have. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I would have, Davis. I wish I could have. But no, you're just walking around and just just think about three uh, Home Depots. Just think about that. That's how big that place was. And Home Depot is pretty big, but boy, there's like three Home Depots. That's how big his his home, his studio was, was really a lot of fun. Well, as I always tell you, you know, it's weeknights, and we're having fun, you and I talking about sports, but we always look for guests, and sometimes guests don't have time to spend an entire segment with us, but sometimes, sometimes they have time for one question. You guys lose this game, or did the Jazz win this one? Time for one question. What? With Jonathan Hood. Bro, what are you talking about, man? I am number one. 
number one. Just one question. Oh, there's one more thing. On ESPN 1000. All right, it's time for one question. You never know what's going to be through Sean's phone or my phone. And we was going through the phone, going through names, going through names, and we landed on longtime Bears wide receiver, Rasheed Davis, a great Chicago Bear wide receiver with us here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. Rasheed Jonathan Hood, thanks so much for your time. Man, thank you for calling. How's everybody? Everybody is fine, man. Thanks so much for being on with us. So I know you're busy. So do you have time for at least one question, sir? I have time for the one question. Okay. I wish the. I bet you wish the media only just gave you one question instead of coming to your locker asking you t- ten or twelve questions. <laughs> you know, I, I I never really had a problem with the media, so I'm all good, man. I'm all good. Right. All right. Well, hopefully we can have you on for longer uh, later on this summer. But I will ask you one question, sir. The one question is, who was uh, the wildest, craziest teammate that you had in the NFL? The wildest, craziest teammate that I had in the NFL? Oh, that's a – oh, man. I don't know if I could tell you that one question. Man. I don't know if I could answer that question uh, without getting people in trouble. You know? Uh, <laughs> I'll say uh, one of my uh, most fun teammates to hang out with uh, was Lance Briggs. How about that? You going to leave it at that? Yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. I mean, there's, there's uh, documentation of some of Lance and, you know, the antics that he's, he, uh, he, he, he uh, did while he was playing. So there's documentation that everybody knows about. I'm not giving any details, though. And that, my friends, is one question with Bears wide receiver Rasheed Davis. Summer of football is next on ETH. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app.